Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a special edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Strevsky. After a very eventful Monday in New York sports as the New York Jets get absolutely shellacked thanks to their quarterback on Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles Chargers and the New York Mets do not land Craig Council and they end up with Carlos Mendoza. Carlos Mendoza as their next manager. Uh, I'm going to start with the Jet game. We just watched Monday Night Football a few moments ago. The Jets lose this game by 21 points. And do you guys remember when the narrative and the storyline around the Jets was after the Kansas City Sunday night game, oh, Zach Wilson has found something. Oh, Zach Wilson has figured it out. Oh, Zach Wilson actually has what it takes to be a successful NFL quarterback. Do yourself a favor. Go watch the game film. Go watch what you saw between the Chargers and the New York Jets tonight and then sit there with a straight face and try to tell me that Zach Wilson is a competent, reasonable, average NFL starting quarterback. He's none of those things. The amount of slop and the amount of garbage that I saw from Wilson tonight is so baffling, appalling, and simply unacceptable for a team that has playoff hopes. Think about some of the stuff you saw with Zach Wilson tonight. On a night in which Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers did diddly squat on offense. On a night in which the New York Jets had every opportunity to find themselves back into the football game. I don't know where to begin with Wilson's ineptitude. Do I want to start with his lack of pocket awareness? Do I want to start with him airmailing wide open receivers in the middle of the field? You had a couple instances. Garrett Wilson wide open where he could go 30, 40 yards down the field 
and the ball's behind him, and it's way over his head. It's at his feet. No chance. How about the screen pass to Dalvin Cook? And look, Dalvin Cook has not exactly been uh, a beacon of hope for the New York Jets, but Dalvin Cook, who has played on some successful teams in the past, basically gave Zach Wilson a look on that screen pass that he threw 120 miles an hour. Like, bro, what the fuck is that? I mean, that's basically the look Dalvin Cook gave Zach Wilson. Can you blame him? How about the sequence at the end of the first half when Zach Wilson easily picks up a first down if he runs 10 or 15 yards up the middle instead he's throwing the ball away? I mean, it's just like simple, easy, basic stuff from a quarterback standpoint that continues to be Failure launch, it continues to be uh, like a calculus test, things that should be so easy for any quarterback who's playing the position. The Jet defense played really well tonight. Could they have played better from a standpoint of forcing turnovers? Yeah. And, and unfortunately for the Jet defense, they needed to force a couple of turnovers in order to go and win this game. They weren't going to win this game without a pick six or without a strip sack score wasn't happening because the Jets can't get in the end zone. And then you throw in the fact that even when it looks like the Jets are getting something going on offense, you have a situation in which there are pre-snap penalties. It's a holding. It's an illegal man downfield. It's this. It's that. Incompetent, inept offense. And we have been saying it now for the last couple of weeks. The Jets have been playing with fire. They play with fire in Denver. They won the game. They play with fire against Philadelphia. They won the game. They play with fire in more ways than one against the Giants. And if it wasn't for the Giants being a bunch of morons at the end of the game, they would have lost that game. It is very hard to win in the NFL when you are not going to be able to score touchdowns. I know people are listening probably saying, thank you, JJ. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Thank you for telling us something we don't already know. But the Jets can't score touchdowns. This is not 1975, folks. You got to be able to score. And yeah, we can get on the coach for not having his team ready to go on special teams. Yeah, you can get on the coach for some of the penalties, which is fair. But the biggest reason we are sitting here tonight and the Jets lost this game by 21 points their quarterback was an embarrassment and a disgrace. What else is new? Paul for the course. Rinse, repeat. Like the four toss once said, it's the same old song. It is the same old song with Zach Wilson. If you thought he was getting better after the Chief game, you're a sucker. Simple as that. You're a big, fat sucker. Same old, same old for this quarterback. Now the Jets are at 500. and. I know this about the team. The defense can go and win a couple of these games. Like, am I going to be stunned if the defense goes and shuts down the Raiders and A.N. O'Connell? No. Am I going to be stunned if they split the next two between the Bills and the Dolphins where their defense just overwhelms and wins a game? Yeah, they could. They can easily do that. We've, we've seen games this year in which that's how the Jets have been able to win. But if you're dreaming, and I heard it from some Jet fans in my life, Actually, 
a lot of Jeff fans in my life. Maybe they were trying to get onto my skin. Maybe they were trying to tick me off. I don't know what it was. But they're talking to me this morning about them winning a the division. This quarterback's winning you a division? I mean, in all seriousness. This is worse than Tony Banks and the 2000 Ravens. And the Jet defense is good. They're not 2000 Baltimore good. They're a very good defense in 2023. Very good. Very good. And I'm not trying to disparage. But this quarterback's getting you to 10 wins? I have a hard time believing that. Especially after what I saw today. Very, very hard time believing that. Now, before we get to your calls, and I see a zillion of you guys are ready to rock and roll, I want to get to the other big news of the day. And that's the New York Mets whiffing on Craig Council and the New York Mets ending up with Carlos Mendoza as their next manager. Look, a couple of things in play. I know the Chicago Cubs paid Craig Council a gazillion dollars to be the manager. They made him the highest paid manager in the sport. I do believe the sentiment from Council about the ties to the Midwest, his family, college, being close to that Big Ten area. I do think that's a real thing. I do think that's a real factor. And I know some people are going to say, well, the Mets could have outbid and paid even more. But when he was offered the platform of $8 million a year to be in Big Ten country, to manage in Chicago, he was going to manage in Chicago. I'm going to give the Mets a pass on counsel. What I am going to do, though, is take them the task for getting rid of Buck Showalter to begin with. Because David Stearns, listen, you would think he'd know better than anybody what the deal is with counsel. You would think. Instead, the Mets take a manager. They has had a terrible 2023. God-awful 2023. But in 2022, Buck Showalter won 100 games. Buck Showalter has won everywhere he has been as a big league manager. The Mets said sayonara, and let's be real, most Mets fans were of the mindset that, guess what? Craig Council is going to be our manager. Instead, they go down the road of hiring a puppet. And I wanted to cringe. I'm watching our show today, which I love. Baseball Night in New York. I'm on it all the time on SNY. And I got Martino and Hoke, who I like. I like those guys. But they're sitting there telling me that Carlos Mendoza is this old school baseball guy. Please. Old school my ass. The guy is the bench coach on one of the most incompetent and inept staffs in baseball. I am supposed to be fired up as a Mets fan that the Mets hired the Yankee bench coach? This is not Willie Randolph. Carlos Mendoza, nice baseball life in the Yankee organization for 15 years. The guy's the bench coach the last four years. The team stunk. Nobody around baseball is like, wow, that Yankee staff, man, they really got something cooking. They really got something special. That is a terrible sell. Now, can Carlos Mendoza manage? Who knows? I don't have the slightest idea. And I reserve judgment. Listen, he has the right to change my mind. but. Here's what I'm going to say from a Mets standpoint. If you're going to sit there and tell me the Mets in hiring Carlos Mendoza have a better manager than Buck Showalter, you are out to lunch. How can you sell me on it? Who should I have more confidence in going into the next year? Buck Showalter managing a team who's managed every situation in baseball or Carlos Mendoza who's sitting next to Aaron Boone for the last four years? You decide. And 
we've seen first-time managers have a lot of success. We have seen first-time managers fail miserably. For every Kevin Cash, I can give you a Louis Rojas, okay? The idea that baseball people are, like, celebrating this hire, that is pathetic. It's pathetic. Because for the Mets and Stearns, I thought the manager hire was going to have a little more cachet when you got rid of Buck Showalter. I thought you were getting counsel. You didn't want the job. Fine. Then guess what? You should have never let go of Buck Showalter. And I know I said, hey, David Stearns has the right to hire his own guy. Fine. Play nice for a year if it's not counsel. That's what I'd say if I'm calling. Play nice for a year. Let's see how it works. And David, guess what? You don't like Buck after a year? Fine. He's gone. He's on the contract. To not end up with counsel and end up with Mendoza makes the show off the decision look worse. You can't sell it. You can't spin it any other way. All right. I see a ton of calls in here. We're going to do some Zach Wilson. We're going to do some Carlos Mendoza. Uh, I, I don't know where we're going to go, but we're going to lead it off with my buddy, the great Kenny in Staten Island. He gets us going. Kenny, what it done from your quarterback. My God. JJ, we, we've been watching this garbage for three years. And I'm getting sick of it. I really am. I, you know, I root, for, I root for the jersey. I root for the green. Uh, whoever's playing quarterback, obviously I got to root for. But I'm done with this guy. Listen, the Jets last year benched him. And you had Joe Flacco start a game last year where the Jets were still mathematically uh, qualifying for the playoffs at the end of the year against your Dolphins. And, and Zach was holding a frigging clipboard. This performance tonight, this kid is not going to amount to anything. He's not even a kid anymore. And, I, and, and you know, my son brought up a point tonight. I was actually on the field before the game. And my son, my son goes, Dad, look at Hebert. He looks like a quarterback. Look at the size of him. You look at Zach, he looks like a high school quarterback. And like you said, he's got no pocket presence. I know the offensive line is a shit show. But even with that, this kid has to show how he get out of the pocket, even late in the game, when Justin Ebert on a third down and long, he scrambled for like seven yards to, you know, when they kicked that at the, their last field goal, and he didn't take the sack. Zach holds the ball too long. He doesn't run out of the pocket. He can't read a defense for nothing. And Kenny, how about the wide open guys he's missing? I mean, the throws that he's missing, Kenny, they're not hard throws. They're not complicated throws. Uh, Dalvin Cook is wide open. Dump the ball off. Garrett Wilson is wide open. Hit him in stride. This is not rocket science here. And you bring up the awareness. And listen, I don't think Justin Herbert was all great shakes against the Jet defense tonight. But you saw awareness from him on third downs when the middle of the field was wide open. He said, you know what? I'm going to run it. I'm going to get a first down. Zach. Had a similar situation at the end of the first half, and he's thrown some crazy cockamamie screen pass. Troy Aikman, Kenny, you didn't get a chance to hear him. He was so agitated watching every element of what Zach Wilson was bringing into position. I would have thought Troy Aikman wanted to walk off the set at the end of the game. That's how disgusted he was. Nothing has changed, and, and it's a shame because they have a they have a playoff caliber defense. They they held the Chargers, I think, to 180 yards total yards. And you lose the game. And it's it's just it's mind-boggling that I want to see what Salad does. Because this team's gonna fall apart. I'm talking the locker room like it did last year when the defense basically told Zach, 
basically to go to go scratch it. I want to see if he's going to start simming because I'm getting on a plane Friday to Vegas and I got to go watch that shit. I might stay in a casino instead of go to the game. Well, Kenny, I can tell you the, the circus scene is fantastic. You'll enjoy that. Um, it's always rocking. I was there for stadium swim. Go see Allegiant. It's a Sunday night game. It's a standalone game. I know you'll be there. I think it is time to activate Trevor Simeon. We know Tim Boyle's not playing. He's Aaron Rodgers' buddy. He's along for the ride. He's not, he's not a real threat to play. Simeon, not that he's any great shakes. I think going into this Sunday game against Vegas, Wilson's the quarterback and he's got a short leash. If you can't get anything going, maybe you give Simeon a look. I know people are going to listen to this and say, JJ, this is so like classic. Oh, let's, let's bring in a new quarterback. Let's do this. I'm not doing this by choice, folks. Have you watched the Jet offense? And for those of you who want to be Prozac, like I had a buddy of mine who I saw on a run the other day. And he goes to me, he goes, JJ, you're being too hard on Zach? I go, uh, what? I'm being too hard on Zach. They can't score touchdowns. What am I missing here? Too hard on Zach. My ass. My ass. David, up next, he joins us. Hi, David. How we doing, buddy? Listen, JJ, you're 100% right. For all those Zach apologists out there, when has he ever taken over a game? Even Daniel Jones, who, has no, who had no offensive line this year, he took over a half against the Arizona Cardinals. Zach Wilson has maybe one, maybe two drives this entire season. He never takes over a game. He never gets the ball downfield accurately. And of course, his receivers don't help him, but that's not the point. I mean, he hits Ozama in the numbers tonight in the end zone, and the guy drops the ball. It, make, it makes no sense, but, but that's not to excuse Zach Wilson. The guy plays like a schlub. It's, it's, it's time after time, dumb decisions. He takes sacks when he, when he needs to get rid of the ball. He takes him out of field goal range tonight. It's just enough of this crap. It's, it's game after game. You want to shut it off. It's, it's like putting the pins in your eyes watching him uh, running off. Well, I think about this, David. You were going to have Zach Wilson Sunday night football against Vegas. The following week, he's going to play in front of a national audience for most of America to see, 425 against the Buffalo Bills, and we'll be a catch in Astoria. And I hope you guys all join us at catch. We're going to watch all the games. Then we're going to do our show right afterwards. Uh, but that's going to be a big game. And then you got the Miami game with that defense playing a lot better. And that's going to be a national game. So Zach Wilson is an a There's no getting around that. Last year, you had a mutiny in the locker room. Salah knew it. Wilson ha sounded like an ass. He acted like an ass. They benched him after the New England game. You don't have Mike White here. You know Aaron Rodgers is advocating for this kid. That's fine. That's all well and good. You got to win football games. And, and truthfully, David, how can you feel confident that Zach Wilson is going to be able to win enough playoff, enough games to get you in the playoffs? I don't know how you make that case. No, there's no, there's, there's no chance. I mean, look, the Dolphins don't look like world beaters either. Neither do the Bills, but the, but the Jets are, the Jets cannot win with, with Zach Wilson. And, and if Joe Douglas is going to go down with Zach Wilson, it's a shame. It's a shame. And he would deserve to lose his job. I love Joe Douglas. I think he drafts amazing, but you got to be able to cut your losses. His old boss, Howie Roseman used to say that the reason why the Eagles were good is because they cut their losses. When they saw a quarterback didn't have it, they cut their losses. Joe Douglas, you got to get rid of Zach Wilson. I get it. You drafted him. He's your baby. You got to get rid of him. It's time to move on. Everyone else knows him, and he's the only, him and Sal are the only two people that are still holding on to this guy, this kid. 
Well, listen, it's a matter of when, not if. There's a reason why they ended up going and getting Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. But here's the second guess. And we brought it up briefly. It was worth an idea. I should have hammered it home, truthfully, a little bit more. And I don't think he'd have the same success that he had in Minnesota last week because the offensive coaching is better in Minnesota. The support is better in Minnesota from an offensive standpoint. Why was Josh Dobbs not brought to the Jets? Does anybody want to explain that to me? And I'm not going to sit there and pretend that Josh Dobbs is God's gift as an NFL quarterback, but at least he's been in different systems and hasn't embarrassed himself. And I know this, he's better than Zach Wilson. Anybody going to fight me on that? Good luck if you do. Good luck. Uh, let's go to Phil, who's ready to rock. What's up, Phil? How we doing? So I've already ranted about Wilson in the past. I think Salas stinks also. His teams are so undisciplined. He has no feel for game management ever. But tonight's rant is going to be about Joe Douglas. Because I- I've defended this guy because I think that he's been hamstrung by a bad quarterback. Um, and he's done a-, a decent job, you know, collecting other talent. But anyone with two eyes, it's been clear as day for two years, okay, and it- that Zach Wilson can't play quarterback in the NFL. He has no feel for the position. Can't read a defense. He's inaccurate. It, he has every bad quality you can ask for. And after the Patriots game, that should have been the wake-up call, okay, that he needed to go out and get somebody. And I don't know if it was arrogance in not bringing someone in, thinking that he's still right in his evaluation of Wilson. I don't know if it's ineptitude at evaluating the QB position, but he owed it to his defense and the rest of the team after Rodgers went down and after seeing Zach still being the garbage that he is to either go get Jameis Winston, Taylor Heineke, Andy Dalton, I'm talking about guys who are literally like a C minus, but anyone who is not an F like Zach Wilson, and he sat on his hands, and it's just so irresponsible, and it's wrong to the team and the fan base. And the other thing I want to say about uh, about uh, Joe Douglas, and then I'll let you weigh in, is he has at receiver behind Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, who again tonight had a drop and a penalty, and who is literally one of the worst free agent signings I've ever seen. His second and third receivers behind Garrett Wilson were Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb in an era of offensive football. I mean, that is horrific. Well, Phil, you know why that's the case, though. Listen, you're not wrong. Alan Lazard stinks. He's not a legitimate number two receiver and has played terribly this year. Everything you said there is accurate. But before you kill Joe Douglas on bringing in Lazard, let's be honest about something. Why is Alan Lazard on this team? Exactly. Exactly. So you want to kill Douglas for not having a good backup quarterback, you're well within your rights. I think it's an excellent point. I said it last year. I'm not bringing this kid back. I never bought the idea that Aaron Rodgers was going to save him, that more time on the bench was going to save him, that all of a sudden, you know, this that the light would come on for the number two pick in the 2021 draft, and all of a sudden he would find it. No, he was never going to find it. He's not any good. He's a total lost cause at the position. You're right on that. And I think he was way too stubborn in sticking with Wilson, backing up Aaron Rodgers. But when it comes to Alan Lazard, I couldn't disagree more because I don't think he made that signing. I think Aaron Rodgers said, hey, get a couple of my buddies on this team. That means Cobb. That means Lazard. But the reality is, Phil, they don't have a legitimate number two receiver. I totally agree with that. They don't. Well, he should have used the first round pick this year. I mean, they were a win now team who's missed the playoffs for 12, you know, going on 12 years. And he drafted a position of of luxury in Will McDonald who, who gets scratched every game when he could have used that first round pick on either an offensive lineman and a receiver. And, and that's just, that, that kills me also. Thanks, JJ. Now, you're not wrong about that, Phil, when it comes to this year. As far as 
what McDonald is going to be as a player. Let's see. Because you're also seeing Johnson really come on and Huff really come on. And listen, what I think makes this so just excruciating from a Jets standpoint, the defense is good. Listen, my team is playing you guys in a couple weeks. I am not thrilled about the Dolphins going up against the Jet defense. It it, it scares me. I'm not going to lie. It scares me. Because they get after the quarterback. They got two good corners. They're physical. They hit hard. Are they undisciplined? Yeah. Is their offense inept? Yeah. That's the problem. As good as that defense may be, I said it all week about this Charger game. I said it to anybody who was willing to listen. If the Chargers get to 20 points, the Jets can't win. I was right about that. Chargers got to 20. They didn't play great on offense. They actually were quite lousy on offense. They got to 20, won the game. In this era in the NFL, that's embarrassing. Mo joins us. He's up next. Hi, Mo. How we doing, bud? Yeah, quickly on Mendoza, you know, it's, it's just me, JJ, or like, I feel like there's a lot of overthinking going on with these managers. You know, these people that are winning the World Series, managers that are winning the World Series, I feel like, you know, Dusty Baker, Bruce Brochi, I don't seem like, they seem like, you know, baseball lifers, as you mentioned before. Uh, I mean, Mendoza, no base, you know, no uh, managerial experience. Just a weird hire, in my opinion, but I mean. Oh, it's a very weird hire. And listen, we don't know, Mo, how it's going to work out. Let me make that abundantly clear. Maybe Carlos Mendoza is going to knock my socks off. The Mets are going to spend a gazillion dollars and they're going to go and build a winner. But to me, they had a manager who was more than capable. They downgraded from the manager position, as far as I'm concerned, because they had somebody who maybe didn't have the resume of Bruce Bochy and maybe didn't win yet like Dusty Baker did two years ago, but Buck Showalter won 100 games two years ago. Buck Showalter won every stop along the way, was the toast of New York City in 2022. They sold his players at the end of the year. The team was just doomed all season long, and he falls on the sword and you end up with Carlos Mendoza and look, he paid his dues. It's not like he's coming out of the broadcast booth or it's some weird path to be a big league manager, but how are you fired up about the idea of hiring the Yankee bench coach on a crummy Yankee staff the last four years? How does that excite you as a Mets fan? That's what I want to know. No, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a Mets fan, but I mean, this can't be Stearns is like, this couldn't be his plan A, right? I just doubt it. Yeah, I feel like something happened between council and, and, and him. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying bad blood, but something, maybe some sort of miscommunication. But See, I don't even know about that, Mo. I think he wanted Chicago. Now, one would say, well, if David Stearns knew that, then why fire Buck Showalter? I agree. Mistake. Big time mistake. Big, big, big time mistake. But, Mo, I think David Stearns wanted council. He found out Council was taking the Cub job and it said, okay, I'm going to get a manager I can mold that can be a collaborator, that could be the kind of new school manager these GMs are looking for. I, I think he didn't want a manager he was going to butt head- heads with and Buck Showalter would have been that sort of manager. No doubt in my mind. That's definitely true for sure. But uh, quickly on uh, Zach, JJ, I mean, it's really entertaining to watch this guy play football in like the worst way possible. I mean, it's really, it's, it's something that... I agree with that. You know what, Mo? I, I, I do. I, I do. I, I absolutely understand what you're saying because it's so bad and the things you are seeing at the quarterback position are just so disturbing 
and so eye-opening. It's, I, I hate to use this analogy because you never want to see this on the side of the road, but it's like, you know, people who stop in traffic when they see a bad car wreck, they just, they can't look away. That's kind of how I feel when I'm watching Zach Wilson. I can't look away. It's riveting. He's that bad. It's riveting. It's like worse than, it's, he's definitely the worst quarterback I've ever seen. It's, it's worse than Russell, I think. Jamarcus Russell. I think. He's definitely. He's on par with Russell. He's on par with Russell. But the amazing thing, Mo, is that you're now at a point with him where, you know, people are going to say, oh, well, it's Hackett's first year in the system. You know, give him a chip, please. It's the same results. And if people want to make that argument, Mo, how come Mike White and Josh Johnson in LaFleur's offense last year were able to run it with efficiency, were able to run it with some semblance of success, and this quarterback cannot? It's not about this system. The quarterback stinks. End of story. JJ, it looks like he's playing Madden. It really does. I feel like he thinks this is a video game. I really do sometimes. It's just like, this space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. Some of the, th- not only does it not make sense, some of his decision making, but you know, the one thing that you can do as a quarterback is kind of be accurate. He is like the opposite of accurate. He tries, I don't know how many times I thought Garrett Wilson was going to get sent to the hospital today with just the bad balls getting thrown. I mean, good luck to them. And thanks for taking my call, JJ. Mo, appreciate it. Love you, buddy. Listen. Hard to make the case Zach Wilson could do enough for your team offensively to get you in the playoffs. It's going to be Herculean from this defense. Herculean to get him in. And, you know, I was going through the schedule with the Jets. That Texan game, not as easy as you thought. CJ Stroud can play. Atlanta, I I think you'd beat Atlanta, but it's kind of eh, one of those games that could go either way. Washington, another one of those games, eh, could go either way. I mean, if I'm those teams and I'm seeing Zach Wilson on my schedule, I'm like, the Jets are not scoring. Right? Wouldn't you have that mentality if you were playing the Jets? Like, I'm Antonio Pierce and the Raiders. I'm looking at Max Crosby. I'm like, hey, big dog, you're going to go get three sacks or we're going to smoke cigars after the game. Now, I mean, the Raiders, you want to talk about a team that hated their head coach. I mean, they were partying like they won a Super Bowl after that went over the Giants on Sunday. My goodness, man. Crazy. Crazy. And McDaniels, what an ass. I mean, what an absolute jabroni. You have Antonio Pierce speak in front of the team. He brings up one of the greatest upsets in Super Bowl history, and you say, don't talk about the Patriots like that. Bro, who the fuck are you? He's lucky Antonio Pierce didn't club him in the face. That's what I would have done if I were Antonio Pierce. I wouldn't because I'm built like a twig, so I don't club anybody. If I were Antonio Pierce, dude, get serious. So good for Mark Davis. Good for Mark Davis sending him out to pasture. I hope the Patriots hire him. Make him the next coach, please. Let him go coach in New England after Bill. I would love that. Uh, let's head to uh, Big Josh, who's up next. Long time no speak. What's up, Big Josh? It's horrible, bro. The, uh, this is how we honor Revis by not scoring a touchdown. Ain't that a bitch? You know, it, it, rather apropos for Darrell Revis. You know what, though? You're longing, Josh, for the days of Mark Sanchez in the 2009 and the 2010 offense. Any bitching you might have done about Mark Sanchez in those two years, you take, I, I think you take Mark Sanchez back after not playing after six years after watching Zach Wilson play. I'll take him right now. It's full suit and everything. I'll take him. Come down from the booth. Come play. Come play a quarter. I'll do it right now. And Josh, you got a defense that's scary. 
you got a defense that's really talented and it is being completely wasted by inept and just shameful quarterback play. And, and you know what, Josh? People after the Chief game actually thought he was making strides. People after the Chief game actually believed he was moving in the right direction. How stupid did they look right now? Suckers. I agree. I agree. Totally, totally agree. Because he came out, even though the Jets won a couple of those games, he did nothing in the Eagle game. He did nothing in the Denver game. In fact, in the Denver game, he threw a late interception and the defense bailed his ass out with the Quincy Williams play. And in the Jet game, the fact that he even had a chance to win the Jet game just speaks to the joke that the Giants are. Big, big joke. JJ, explain to me, Dobbs didn't even know the guy's names. He did a, a game-winning touchdown with two seconds. And this kid has been with us for three years, and he's shown nothing. They literally have eight touchdowns this year. What, what does that speak to, though, Josh? That speaks to, well, listen, Strat's, Strat's a player. I, I don't even want to put Strat in a conversation with Zach Wilson, even though they were picked in the year. I think the crazy thing is they were picked, Josh, number two overall. Stroud, this year, Wilson in 2021, they don't resemble two guys that play the same position. But as far as Dobbs, listen, Dobbs is an easy first guess for Joe Douglas and company. And I don't know if he'd have the same success because the jet point calling is not as good and O'Connell really knows how to coach up a quarterback. I do. I give him a lot of credit for that. But there's no way in the world Josh Dobbs is worse than Zach Wilson. There's no way. I don't know, JJ. This is bad. And then, please, NFL, please flex this game. Please. No, Josh, listen. It's, it, it's crash and burn, baby. We got Sunday night. Antonio Pierce, Aiden O'Connell, Zach Wilson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like it personally because I don't have to worry about doing sports night and the podcast until late. So I can watch all the games at 1 o'clock. I can watch all the games at 4 o'clock. I can watch the Jet game, come and ask why, watch the second half here, and then rock and roll with you guys. And that's exactly what we will do uh, on Sunday night. Uh, let's head to the uh, LG... New York sports guy. What's up, LG? How we doing, babe? Two quick things. Uh, you guys have touched on a lot of the points. Obviously, I'm not going to beat a dead horse about what he, what Zach Wilson is at a quarterback. He's, he's not a quarterback. But two things. First off, I don't know how they're not going to lose the locker room suit. I mean, the defense has to be out of their mind. They did such a good job uh, early on. I mean, the punt, you know, they, they, you know, in the first quarter, in eight minutes, the special teams gave up a punt return and the offense fumbled twice and the defense was still doing everything they could to try to hold that game together but after a certain point you can't watch zach wilson throwing the ball five feet over the receiver's heads and and say we got to go out there after another three and out or another turnover and and win this game every week you can't do that every week it just in today's nfl it can't be done and i mean you know last year they were wearing mike white t-shirts after five minutes of of getting mike white in the lineup i i mean well, I guess they're going to be wearing uh, Trevor Simeon t-shirts this year. I don't know. Well, that's what I wonder. I mean, I wonder who the next Colt hero is going to be. Now, if you remember last year, LG, he had that embarrassing game against the Patriots when Robert Salas should have benched them, and they might have won that game against the Patriots when Marcus Jones had the punt return for the touchdown. But Wilson was such a joke and was such an embarrassment after the game, they had no choice, and Salah had no choice, and they had to make a quarterback change. Here's the, but here's the, but here's, here's what I wonder about this year, LG. They have been steadfast in their support of this quarterback, right? 
They have Aaron Rodgers, who has been steadfast in the support of this quarterback. They didn't go and trade for a quarterback. Trevor Simeon is the best they can do. I would activate him. He'd be my backup next week. And I would give Wilson as much leeway as possible. When he stinks, I'd go and pull the plug and make the change. Uh, I wonder when that point of no return is going to come for Robert Sala and company. But you got to think about it. Listen, it's not outlandish. You absolutely have to think about it. It's crazy to consider otherwise. And, and you're talking about C.J. Stroud and not putting him in the same. But I also, you know, not just C.J. Stroud. I watch Will Levis. He, he's been in the league five seconds, and he looks like an NFL quarterback. And he looks like somebody who's been in the league three years, while Zach Wilson looks like he's making his first start. And Well, listen, LG, he should have never been brought back to this team. I said it in the offseason. I'll say it again now. He never should have been brought back to this team. And the Jets, listen, Joe Douglas done a lot of good. He was very stubborn on that. He drafted him number two. He doesn't want to look like a horse's ass. And they sold us this bill of goods that Rodgers and Hackett, everybody is going to, you know, find a way to figure it out with Zach. You're not figuring out shit. He stinks. I won't blame Hackett because if Zach Wilson's your quarterback, you could have you could have Don Shula in the room. You could have any offensive coordinator. You, you could have Mark Levy. You could have any offensive coordinator in the world, and they're not doing anything with this offense. And you were talking before about guys that are stepping up, and you didn't even mention Brees Hall. Yeah, who, by the way, LG, needs to get the ball even more than what he's getting. Got to get the ball even more. Appreciate it as always. Sorry about that. That was my fault. A little premature cutoff. My bad, LG. I appreciate the call. Brees Hall's got to get the ball even more. He had 16 carries for 50 yards. Here's the problem. These teams know what the deal is when you play in the Jets. Don't let Brees Lightning beat you. Stack the box. Go ahead. One-on-one shots, deep ball shots, go. Take a shot. You ain't going to succeed. Our buddy Bradley is up next. He joins us. What's happening, Bradley? How we doing, bud? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I watched the game tonight. Um, I was at work. I got home just some time before uh, the end of the first half, but yeah, just seeing the highlights, I mean, you know, it's just like the same old stuff that we've seen in recent memory with uh, Zach Wilson. It's just like the guy's like, it's just like, I, I just, I, just, I, we're just looking at an incompetent quarterback, you know, right now in, in the Jets. And, you know, that, that falls, you know, it does fall a little bit on Joe Douglas for making that decision for, you know, hanging on to him and not, you know, maybe bringing back Mike White, the backup Aaron Rodgers. Um, I mean, they got, they, the kid's just a total bust. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Well, we could stop with the narratives now that he's getting better. And, and I hear, you know, I'm doing these hits on SNY all the time. I, I hear from Jet Camp, oh, he's gaining more confidence. Really? Really? That, uh, not what I'm seeing on the field, Bradley. I don't know how anybody makes that point. And the Jets, listen, I think the Chargers are frauds. I think Justin Herbert is very overrated. I think a lot of people put him on a pedestal. He does not belong on a pedestal. He looks the part as a quarterback. He has won nothing. They held him to 136 yards of passing today. They held him under five yards per attempt, and yet they lose the game by 21 points. What does that tell you, dude? What does that tell you? It tells you the Jets have a very good defense, and it's going to be good for several years to come. And they have just a very inept offense. That's, That's the best way you can describe it right now. Bradley, it's a tough pill to swallow. And the Jets will win games because of their defense. I would not be surprised if that's the case on Sunday. I would not be surprised if they stole one from Buffalo or Miami. I mean, that defense, that defense is top five defense in the NFL. I, uh, they, they're not the 2000 Ravens. They're not the 85 Bears. I can say without hesitation, the fact that they're a 500 team with this quarterback 
they have a top five defense in the NFL. But you do reach a point where you lose games because of your offense. Are you giving that same effort? Are you firing on all cylinders? Are you as locked in as maybe you would be if you had Aaron Rodgers or a competent quarterback? That's the challenge that the Jets have got to go through week after week with these sort of duds from the quarterback position. It's tough for the rest of the guys on this team. It really is. Absolutely, totally. Um, I just one real quick before we get before we get to the next call. I want to switch gears. I just have to chime in just real quick about what happened yesterday with the Giants. Um, you know, yesterday, I mean, first of all, it's sad that the end of Daniel Jones era had to come to that. But you know what, JJ, I always I always try to look for silver linings and try to see if like, you know, if there's anything positive we can take out of that. And the one positive is this is that we as Giants fans, we don't have to go into Sundays anymore with like, you know, you know, riled up, you know, like, you know, worried pressure, like about winning a game and stuff like that. You know, that that's gone. The season's officially over at, after yesterday. It's been retrospect, it's been over for the last couple of weeks. Now it's about, you know, them, you know, going out and uh, scouting the quarterbacks in college right now. I mean, Joe Shane was in the uh, USC and the Washington game over the weekend, you know, scouting out Caleb Williams, who, by the way, just w- one little side mark, not a good look seeing him crying after the game like that on the sideline. You know, I know he's with his mom, but that's just not a good look. That's not here nor there. But just want to make that quick comment. But the the fact of the matter is it, it, it really is going to be, you know, it's it's tough to swallow the fact that Daniel Jones, you know, career could it could very well be over, and he is going to still be here one more year. They can't get out of that contract by any means necessary, um, but it, it really just stinks, and you feel bad for the kid. And you know what? Well, Bradley, listen, it's a brutal eleven month swing from where the Giants were in January in Minnesota, winning a playoff game, Daniel Jones getting the monstrous contract. Since he got that monstrous contract, it's been nothing short of a nightmare for him. He played poorly to start this year. He was skittish behind the offensive line. He kind of had like the uh, the David Carr syndrome. Deer in the headlights. Wasn't taking shots down the field. Wasn't functionally running the offense. The intrigue to me over the last eight, nine games was going to be, can Daniel Jones play the Giants out of a top pick? Can they play them out of the position of going and getting themselves a quarterback? Well. You see him blow out his knee against Vegas. And you're right. He might be on the team next year. They are a thousand percent drafting the quarterback. And they would be foolish not to. They can figure out if they want to eat Jones and cut him next year. If they want to wait. Have him on the roster next year and then deal with it in a much cleaner fashion. Whatever they decide to do. The Daniel Jones era with the Giants is over. It's done. There will be a new quarterback as there should be. The question is, who is that guy going to be? Let's go to uh, Charlie Elmhurst, the great Charlie. Hi, buddy. Got two points, but before I get into this things, uh, primetime unders, man. Man, Monday Night Football unders are 10 and 1. Oh, dude, they're cash. I should be betting them more often. So good for you, Charlie. I'm glad you're capitalizing. I should be doing it more. Absolutely. Now, I got two things. Uh, the first thing is, obviously, uh, Suck Wilson, all the Dan Orlovsky and these clowns saying, oh, he play well. Oh, how does that look? Dude is not an NFL caliber quarterback. Give me a break. All the nonsense. These, like, you know, the nerds, Dan Olofsky, particular. What a joke. I mean, the fact that the Jets have a, you know, they have a, you know, they have a team. They have the, the squad, except for the quarterback. 
I mean, a quarterback is an Well, I would say this, Charlie. I would say this. They're lacking a second receiver. They're lacking players on the offensive line. But they have enough with a solid quarterback to be a playoff team. Because that defense can go and win you games. They've already beaten some of the best teams in the NFL. Well, they beat Philadelphia. They, Buffalo is a good team. They're not a great team. They played well against Kansas City, but who cares? Playing well, and, and that's that was a mistake a lot of people made, Charlie, is they look at the Kansas City game and say, oh, you played well. Oh, Zach played well. What did it mean? He didn't build upon it. He didn't get better from that game. In fact, since that Kansas City game, he's gotten progressively worse in every single one of these games. Absolutely. Like, like I said, I'll go to my grave. He sucked Wilson. And JJ, uh, I know the, you know, the, the, what is that? Mendoza went the Mets, but like, uh, the, the clowns are talking, the Yankee clowns. I'm talking about garbage cashman and the Yankee owner. Are you excited for that? Because I expect for this Yankee team, until I see it otherwise, this team's going to do nothing. And by the way, plus three and a half loser boom. Pick the Jets. Loser. Uh, did he? Where did he pick the Jets? Oh, uh, yeah. It's on the, according to the case show, he put, picked the plus three and a half Jets. So. Oh, did he? Uh, uh, well, listen, I'm not, Charlie, I'm not one to gloat right now about my picks because they have not been particularly good. Um, I did have the Chargers tonight. Maybe that'll get me going. You know, when you're under 500, you can't be mocking other people's picks. I mean, I'll mock Aaron Bloom's managerial style, but, you know, right now my picks have not been particularly good. So uh, I, I, I'm going to stay quiet on that front. You know what I mean? I'm going to stay quiet. Let's head to our buddy Don is up next. Hi, Don. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. So uh, I don't have a ton to say about the Jets, you know. Not a Jets fan. Zach obviously was horrible. He always has been. Still can't figure out how the hell the Giants found a way to lose to these guys uh, last week, but it is what it is. With uh, Jones going down, I just had two things I wanted to ask you about. One is, I I don't think, I mean, I, I was listening to the fan earlier today. They were talking about the cap situation with uh, the Giants for next year. And it doesn't really look feasible at all that the Giants are going to have the ability to get rid of Jones. Like that just doesn't, I don't, it would be a miracle for them to figure out a way to make that happen and still have a competitive team in any way, shape or form for next year with the cap hit and the dead cap money <clears throat> that that would, that that would bring. But I don't really see a huge problem with the idea of drafting one of these top quarterbacks. Cause they're probably, they're definitely going to have a top five pick, maybe even a top three pick. So you know, Daniel Jones is a smart kid. I can I can see some rookie, even if he's a stud, sitting behind Jones for the first eight weeks or so of next year. And even if Jones plays well, I think that's almost a best case scenario. Then maybe they, maybe you got somebody who's another team who's willing to consider a trade. You can then trade him during the year, and knowing that he's going to have an expired, you know, an expired contract really at the end of year two, and people can get out of that get out of the dead cap situation. So. I see a win there potentially, you know, even if they had to keep Jones uh, on the roster for next year. And then I had one quick thing about the Yankees. I just wanted your opinion on. Uh, well, listen, he'd be a, he'd be a professional about it. There's no doubt in my mind. I think it would be a very awkward and uncomfortable situation for him if he's still a part of the team and he knows his replacement is basically on the roster. I also think it depends on what you want to do with that quarterback. Brian Dable may say to hell with it. I want to get this quarterback out there. I want to hit the ground running. I want to get him experience. I want to get him reps. The Giants can kind of cross that bridge when we get to it. But 
The other question you have to have about Jones is physically, Don, is he going to be able to start week one next year? I don't, I don't know that for certain. Do you? I mean, I think if you look at some of these recovery times of these guys that are going down with ACL injuries now, I can see him being ready. I mean, the normal timeline, I think, is about eight months nowadays, isn't it? With the, with the new treatments and everything that these guys are doing. Yes, but you're, also, but you're also talking about a quarterback that has the major neck issues as well. So it's a double whammy. You know, they're going to treat him with kid gloves. And Don, who's to say they don't just take the dead cap hit and say, let's, let's eat it now. Let's play the young kid. We're not paying him any money anyway. Let's just get on with it. Well, I could see him playing the other kid, but it's the actual act of cutting Jones that seems like it's going to be really, you know, punitive to be able to do that. Like, I, I, if anything, and they want to play the rookie, they might just start the rookie in week one and Jones ends up being the backup, which I know I agree with. Well, and if that happens, listen, it would be super awkward, Don, but you got to be a professional. That's, that's the way of the world for Daniel Jones right now. Fair on fair. Uh, what's your Yankee point? Let's hear it. It'd be crazy to have a $40 million quarterback as a backup, but that's that's a whole other story. <laughs> Without it. So the only que- uh, Yankee question is, what do you think the chances of them actually doing something and bringing in Soto to play left field this year? I mean, he's such a perfect fit, but do you think this, you think Heilbrunner's actually going to, you think Steinbrenner's going to actually get ballsy enough to make that type of a move and override? Probably Cashman doesn't even want to do it anymore. It feels like Cashman always wants to play small nowadays. What do you think the chances are they could actually make a Yankee-like move and bring in the guy that everybody knows is a perfect fit for this team? Well, they want to gain some trust back from the fan base. It's a good place to start. Good place to start. You know, you're not getting a new GM or a manager. Well, Juan Soto would be a nice place to start. Uh, hedge fund La- uh, Harry. La- I thought it was hedge fund Larry, but I, uh, I screwed it up. Harry, what's good, man? How we doing? I- I'm a big fan. I actually never... Not a New York Giants or Jets fan, but just curiosity. I've been listening a lot lately. Why is it with the Giants fans, they sound so sad about Daniel Jones? He's not that good. He scammed them out of $160 million bucks, and they act like their best friend just got hurt. Like, the team's a mortal embarrassment. What, what's the headspace on these guys? Um, well, I think it's the idea that he won him a playoff game last year. That he's been a likable guy and he's done everything he can possibly do to try to get himself back on the field, to try to be the quarterback of the New York Giants. I mean, is he a top flight top? Well, I understand that. I understand that. But Harry, listen, I I think most Giant fans are of the mindset they want a new quarterback. I mean, you walk around New York City, I don't think a whole lot of Giant fans are saying, yeah, I want Daniel Jones back next year. I think they want a new quarterback. For sure. Yeah, it's just so odd that they're like sad about it. Like it's... It's like, he's just not... Well, because there's a human... But you know what, though? There's a human... There is a human element in play. And it's not like a guy like Zach Wilson who has done nothing for the Jet fan. At least Daniel Jones gave the Giants a year where they went to the playoffs and he won them a playoff game. You know, I think that's in their memories. Dude. All right. I got you. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Nice talking to you. No, I appreciate it. Look, um, my team hasn't won a playoff game in 20-something years. So if my quarterback wins a playoff game, yeah, I- I'm going to treat him fondly. I'm going to think very highly of you know, Giants have fallen on a lot of hard times. I don't think people are going to remember Daniel Jones like he's Eli Manning. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the guy did win a playoff game this year. So it, it is an unfortunate situation, but they're going to have a new quarterback. We're going to wrap it up with a bang. We always wrap it up with a bang with this guy, the great Jeff Money in Queens. He joins us after a profitable Monday night for me. Uh, Jeff Money, how are you, sir? Good, good. Just looks great to turn the page on this week. What a brutal week. Brutal, brutal, brutal. 
and a boring game to watch. Very aggravating. Chad Chicken. Uh, it was aggravating, but listen, not so brutal for me when I had the Chargers. Not going to lie, Jeff Bunny. I needed it. After some of the losses I had with Dallas and Miami and uh, 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 the Texans taking a knee. How about that one on Sunday? Texans. That was one of my picks. Remember, that was big. That, that, that's got to be the worst loss of the weekend, right? It's got to be. Yeah, that was, that was really brutal. That was, uh, uh, I don't want to talk about the kicking situation with that. Oh, it was just, that was brutal. And also the Falcon. I had the Falcon game also. That was another brutal game. Hideous. Hideous. But we're on a, we're on a week 10. You know, Jeff Buddy, we're on a week then. The Thursday, another great matchup there. I got you gotta take the dog in that one. You gotta pick one out of the two. Well, the one the one counter I would have is that the Panthers have looked so bad. They have looked so, so bad. I know they beat the Texans a few weeks ago. Uh, but I watched a lot of that game against Indianapolis. Bryce Young looked awful. The team looked awful. Um you gotta bet it though, right? Chicago, Chicago favored by three and a half, man. I, I don't know where I'm going with that game. Uh, you know what I am going to do? I'm going to hold my nose, probably flip a coin, Jeff Bunny, and hope for the best. That's what I'm going to do. Flip a coin. I figure you got to go with the dog because of the hook with the three and a half. But, of course, not of the five picks. Just uh, just as far as the Thursday game, just is just horrendous. But, uh, yeah, they're both, you know, maybe we'll end in a tie and we'll, we'll cover the three and a half if you, if you wind up going with the Panthers. Who knows? And I'm telling you, Jeff Bunny, keep an eye on this one. How are the Packers only three-point underdogs at Pittsburgh this week? You want to explain that to me? Yeah, that's a little fishy there, as we always said about our front about the fishy situation. Monstrous. Monstrous rat line. I mean, in more ways than one. And here's another take on Cleveland and Baltimore. Cleveland will either win that game outright or lose by 20-plus points. There'll be no in-between with that Cleveland-Baltimore game. None. And who knows what even to expect what's going to go on with the Jets Cup coming against the, uh, the Raiders, right? Well, in case you're wondering, the Jets installed as a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Vegas. Well, that's just going to be torch. I mean, you figure they're going to you figure they hold down the defense. It's great to hold down the Raiders, but can they score at least uh, 10 points there? With- well, I, I don't know if – uh, that total's got to be – what's the total in that game? Let's take a look right now. 36-and-a-half. I, I don't know if either team gets to 20 points, Jeff. That's going to be a gross football game. Because Vegas' offense has been bad outside of the Giant game. And the Jet offense says Zach Wilson is their quarterback. So, you decide. Yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty brutal there, you know? Well, and it's a Sunday night game for all of America to see. But as I mentioned with these Zach Wilson games, it's so bad, it's good. Now, Jeff fans, Jeff Bunny, they don't want to hear that. Because 24 hours ago, you had Jeff fans fantasizing about the possibility of winning the AFC East. That took an ominous turn with this 27-6 win for the Los Angeles Chargers. It was there to be had. I think any decent quarterback probably wins you this game. I really do. Instead, you're sitting here with Jets at 500. Defense, that's your bread and butter. Can they score? Can they get three, four turnovers a game? That's your, your pathway and your avenue to win football games. And it's tough to win that way. This is a ton of fun. Good job by Stefan. Good job by all of you. I'm going to do TV. We'll be back later in the week on Thursday with our Football Friday extravaganza. And anything that happens over the course of the week, we'll touch on. Nice win for the Knicks tonight. Good to have R.J. Barrett back in the mix. Knicks look like a different team when R.J. Barrett's on the floor. Just throwing that out there. Uh, I was on that game. 
inspired by our buddy Raheem the Dream Palmer. So I'm like, Gambling Pod Wednesday. Thursday, we'll have our Football Friday with Benigo, and uh, he should be in rare form after what he saw from his quarterback. We'll see if Joe is still thinking division. We shall see. On that note, JJ out. Enjoy your Tuesday. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or... Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 109 within Indiana, 105-22-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 100gambler.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.